Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. And I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this, this is Storymakers Show. We are here today with Nina Amir. Nina Amir is known as the Inspiration to Creation Coach. She works with aspiring authors and bloggers, but also coaches and consults with speakers, coaches, and conscious business owners who want to become nonfiction authors or bloggers, or both, or who want to become high performers. Nina started her career as a journalist with a BA in magazine journalism with a concentration in psychology, which seems like kind of the perfect background to become a writing coach. Uh, she worked as an editor and writer for a variety of regional magazines, a national corporation in New York City, and a small consulting firm before starting her own freelance writing and design business. Several of her clients' books have been very successful. Some of her clients have sold 300,000 plus copies of their book, landed deals with major publishing houses, and created thriving businesses around their books. She currently writes four blogs, Write Nonfiction Now, exclamation point, How to Blog a Book, As the Spirit Moves Me, and My Son Can Dance, about her son who's been dancing since he was three years old, and he's now 20 and a professional dancer in Germany. Nina is the author of many books about writing and publishing and some about other topics that we'll get into. And she has both self-published and been traditionally published, which we will talk about as well. <laughs> Nina, welcome to Storymaker Show. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lovely intro. <laughs> and I'm thrilled to be here. It's, it, yeah, I'm really excited about it. So uh, we usually start with talking about what we're each working on and we'll, we'll start and then we'll segue into a much deeper conversation about what you're up to. <laughs> Angie, what are you working on? Um, well, right now I'm working on getting people together for the film I'm hoping to make in September. No I should, hoping. I should, and I no should stop saying hoping. Yes. Uh, I'm scheduling to shoot in September. I think I say that almost every episode. Well, hoping, it's, hoping, It's a long-term project. Um, yeah, so that's mainly, it's sort of the non-script items pertaining to my film. Very exciting. I mean, it's, I think part of it is there's just a lot of behind-the-scenes yes. stuff. Yeah. Um, I am, so I am restructuring my novel. I had re readers read it, and I got a lot of critique, and I've been sort of integrating that, and now I'm I'm kind of replotting it, um, and, and so that I can dive in and write the parts that aren't the way they need to be yet. That's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and Nina, what what are you up to? I am uh, completing the last two chapters uh, of my newest book. Um, actually, it's the edits, so it's already been to the editor uh, once and done developmental editor, and it's come back from the publisher with line edits now. So this is my uh, second or third time through. And that is my book, Creative Visualization for Writers, an interactive guide for bringing your book ideas and your writing career to life. Which I also, I didn't put that into the bio, but I'm actually really excited to talk about that, too. That's forthcoming October 2016? Yep, October right. 2016. And at the same time, I'm working on a new book proposal uh, for a book about how to craft, craft your sacred text. And it has a framework in it um, that I use with some of my coaching clients uh, to help them look at their life on four levels. Uh, Metaphor, literal, metaphorical, symbolic, and secret. And you can actually use it to write, you know, personal story, or you can use it to just evaluate or analyze and understand anytime anything that happens in your life. So. I was going to say, or you could use it because I'm a fiction writer to develop characters. Yes, yes you could. 
Yes, you could. Lots of ways to use it. Yeah, well, I'm that's Super projects. Yeah, those sound great. Before we, because I know your focus is really nonfiction, but since I'm bringing up fiction, let me just ask you. Um, in terms of pl- platform, and one of you know several of your books address platform in different ways. Um, do you think that the issues are completely different for fiction and nonfiction? Have you worked at all with around fiction and platform and so forth? Yeah, I have. And what most people don't know is that I actually have one novel. It's not published yet, but uh-huh. needs a little help. But well, got a lot of interest actually at a conference. But that so I have a little. Right interest in fiction myself, but I have worked with some novelists, and um, the issues are, I think, are pretty similar. Most novelists think they don't need platform, and they don't need a book proposal or any of that, but because of the competitive nature of today's market, I think you need both. Yes. And it, the proposal, you know, it shows that you have a business savvy and that you can help sell your book as well as write it. And uh, the, the platform, if you don't have a platform, you don't have any way to promote. Because mm-hmm. basically you're promoting to your platform. So if you don't have friends and followers and people who know, like, and trust you and all that stuff, then you don't have potential buyers uh, for your book. And so when you do your promotion, there's nobody there to promote to if you have no platform. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I completely agree with that. The, the, part, the question I have is... So I can really, um, I heard you on another podcast talking about, you know, um, your reach as well as your visibility, right? And, and you can, maybe you can explain that more to our listeners. But um, so I, I believe that if somebody tweets, you know, this is, a, this book will change your life um, and, and it's nonfiction, somehow I believe that people are more likely to go out and buy it. I guess I don't think that someone would tweet this book will change your life about a novel, even though I think novels can change your life and you can feel that way. But people would tweet, I love this book. Whoa. People would tweet, I love this book, and, and I'm not sure people go out and buy it. Right. What? I'll let you answer because you're the professional, but I have some thoughts too. <laughs> you can tell me your thoughts first. Well, I think that there's um, increasingly an intersection. If you look at things like crowdfunding and the kinds of projects people, I mean, people get people to give them money around to finish their book. They get people to vote on whether or not their book gets, you know, picked. Remember we talked for publishing. For fiction. For fiction. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of places where it's already there. I'm not sure that it's even accurate to say someone tweets, you know, a tweet is the the kind of bedrock of anybody's reach. I think that, um, you know, it's a different thing. And, um, you know, I was reviewing the author training manual in advance of this, which I'd read before, and then she was like, oh, it's this person. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's so funny. Um, but, you know, reviewing what you had said about fiction, people needing to understand the business side. And as we increasingly take responsibility for our product in the market space, I think that um, it's not just a tweet that does it. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that's how it functions anyway. Well, there's way more to it. So number one. I told you about my novel and how there was a lot of interest in it at a conference, and that was because I wrote a pitch that said what the benefit was to the book. Mm. Can like, you pitch it? I don't believe is that you know their book has some kind of benefit beyond being entertaining. But read the back of most novels, and you're going to find a pitch there that says you know something about somebody's transformation or whatever, and that's what we benefit from, right? So that's number one is that you have to be really clear on how your book is a value, your novel is a value to the readers. What benefit they're going to get because they're the same as anyone anyone buying nonfiction. When they say, what's your book about, they don't care 
what it's about. They want to know what's in it for me. What, what am I going to get out of reading your book? So when you're on social media, that's, of course, what you need to be talking about. The other thing is that novelists fail to create blogs and um, content marketing strategies that are based on the themes and subjects in their novels. So it isn't just about saying, buy my book, it's going to change your life. It's about saying, I'm an expert on such and such. Even though I'm a novelist, I write about uh, women who own dogs. All my stories are about women who own dogs, and that's what I do. And, you know, and so if you read my work, this is what you're going to get. If you love dogs and you're a woman, then you're going to enjoy my work. And so then you're curating content also about dogs and about women, do you know, women pet owners and... The Iditarod. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, you know, anything like that, you know, you're sharing videos of a woman surfing with her dogs and, mm -hmm. you know, and so it becomes a matter of, of a more comprehensive social media strategy than just buy my book, it's going to transform your life. Would you be willing to throw out the pitch for your novel to us? <laughs> yes, it is. I always have to think about it. I know. It's challenging. <laughs> Turtle's Nest uh, is a novel that tells the story of a woman who accidentally poisons her child and learns she doesn't have to be a perfect parent to be a good mother. Mm. Yeah, tapping yeah. that guilt point right there. Boom! <laughs> but everyone who's a parent knows that they're not perfect and they make mistakes, right? Now, that's a big mistake to accidentally poison your child and you don't know whether the kid died or didn't die. But what you learn is the same thing she learned. You don't have to be a perfect parent to be a good mother. Yeah. Right, or reverse, you don't have to be a perfect mother to be a good parent. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what you're learning in the book, you see, so. Yeah, and so tell us about the process of coming up with that pitch. I actually attended a conference. Well, it was the same conference, and I went to the San Francisco Writers Conference. I should give them a plug. Where we met. We <laughs> met, and it's probably one of the best conferences out there or is. It's fabulous. Anyway, I attended a session in the morning and normally I would I was going and I was pitching fiction uh, nonfiction. But this time I had I had done NanoRimo, which is actually how my nonfiction event in November came out of me doing that. Yeah. Anyway, so I had finished this novel and I thought I'm gonna pitch my novel. And I went there and I went to a pitch session in the morning. Not a not a pitch session, but it's a pitch class. And one of the people who was teaching it was nonfiction and the other was a novelist. And the novelist was the one who kept saying, you have to have benefit. Your pitch mm -hmm. has to portray the benefit of your book. And she gave the example of how she would pitch her book. And I was like, wow, you know, that my pitch doesn't, it just tells, you know, a little bit about the story, right? And most people write their pitches for novels and they're really long. And, and, and mm -hmm. some of those can be fine, but the contest actually required 25 words. Mm -hmm. No more than 25 words. And so I just kept working it and working it and working it until I had 25 words that said, had a benefit type word, learns, gains, transforms, you know, show, you know, whatever. Mm. That's how it came about. Oh, that's great. Will you, will you, will you pitch, not to put you on the spot, but will you pitch one of your nonfiction books? Because I, as you can tell, I'm really hyper-focused on fiction right now, but a lot of my uh, clients and students and folks are writing nonfiction and Listeners I, don't, are listeners. I don't have those memorized. Uh -huh. You've got the right because you've got the new I one. Can, I can pull it up if you want. That'd I'd be like great. And yeah, and did you work on memorizing the novel one before you, before your? It was short, and I was able to memorize that one because um, 
because it uh, because I keep getting asked to say it for the most part, but also because once I won, I actually won the pitch contest. I had to say it many times. Yeah, that is so great. People are following you around at the cocktail party. What was your pitch? (laughs) So the pitch for my newest book is this. And, and I have to preface this by saying in the book proposal, there was actually, you know, some content before it. But this is the actual pitch. Creative visualization for writers, an interactive guide for bringing your ideas and career to life, will help writers utilize both sides of the brain, become more creative, confident, and productive ideators. Part adult coloring book, part creative journal, diary, or workbook, and part self-help, creative visualization for writers will be Sark's Make Your Creative Dreams Real meets meets Shakti Gawain's Creative Visualization or Rhonda Byron's The Secret. It will take advantage of the hot adult coloring book trend while providing the substance necessary to sustain sales over time. Great. Look at that. Benefit, benefit, benefit. Yes. And when it went to, when it was in um, Writers Week, writer, Publishers Weekly, uh, it was much shorter. My agent redid it and it just said, you know, that it will be like Sark's, you know, it was like meet this uh, what is that one? Um, oh, anyway, it compared two books, and you know, it was it was much shorter. But I don't have that in front of me right now. <laughs> well, the thing that I, it, it, that strikes me as I was saying with like the benefit, benefit, benefit is that's clearly directed to the publisher and their benefit because you talk about the length of sustainable sales over time, sort of the short term hot coloring book market. Um, how would you tweak that if you were addressing a, a, a non, like the publisher needs to know the sales, but the end user needs to know. No, no, no. I don't think she's saying her book will sell. I think she's saying your book after you do this book will sell. No, she's saying she's taking advantage oh. of the hot. Oh. Yeah, book but trend. Uh, oh, okay. uh, I see. would, it, it's really, it is for the publisher, but just you're, you're hooking onto that last line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, back off that last line. Okay, back off that last line. <laughs> so I would just get rid of. So the first line says, "Creative visualization for writers will help writers utilize mm-hmm. both sides of their brain." I would just say, "Will help you utilize both right. sides of your brain to become more creative, confident, and productive ideator." Uh, part adult coloring book, part creative journal, um, and part self-help. Uh, creative visualization for writers will. Um, well, I actually wouldn't use any of the rest of it because mm-hmm. then it just makes the comparison. The rest of it is really for the publisher. Mm-hmm. So it's more that first line, which that's typically what you're using um, is just something very short because you want to be able to tell somebody very quickly what your book is about and why it would benefit them. And, you know, I was saying that that contest was 25 words for my, my novel. Um, this is only 32 words. And if you took out the title, which they would often say the title doesn't count. <laughs> You get uh, how many words? You get all of 17 words. Mm, that's a long Basically, time. my book will help you utilize both sides of your brain to become more creative, confident, and a productive ideator. Yeah. Or create okay. productive idea. you know, create more ideas. Right, right. That's great. I mean, I, I think pitching is one of the really hardest things because I find, I, for myself and my students, you know, we want to... We want to we, we, we want to cram the whole book in, you know. It's like, what's your book about? Okay, let me read it oh, to but you. Not it's, the end. it's only three hundred pages. But not the end. No one wants to cram the end. No in. one wants to cram. Everyone it. wants to hide the ending. You, so everyone nobody... wants someone to read the whole damn thing. I mean, that's right. But you have to remember that you can't do that. I mean, not even to. What you want to do is give them something, and then it's enticing enough that that 
the potential reader or the publisher or the agent says, tell me more. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. And, and if you go to my blog, um, if our listeners go to my blog, writenonfictionnow.com and put in perfect pitch or pitch, they're going to find a blog post there. And um, I think it's called How to Write the Perfect Pitch. I can't remember exactly. But it, you'll know it's the one because it actually has a green elevator door because, you know, your elevator pitch, yes. right? You're supposed to be able to say it, you know, going up three floors, and that's it. So, so yeah, but that that one has information in it on fiction and nonfiction, actually. Oh, great. So and I, it's, in, it's also in the author training manual. Yeah, and I want to break, which is a great book, by the way. I would just want to say that, having gone through it, and, and I was really just appreciative of the way that you sort of break down the mental aspect, sort of having the, the attitude um, uh, to, to approach this, but also acknowledging, you know, uh, the work that needs to go in in advance of approaching agents and, and editors and but breaking it down into really usable manageable chunks so i appreciated that thank you oh, i appreciate you saying that and it, it really is meant for anyone i mean even if you self-publish it's the same work that has to get done before well that's one of my sort of burning questions for you i do, I do want to get into some of the elements of, of, of a platform and and all of these things that you work with people on but you are somebody who is traditionally published and self-published, and it seems like you are toggling back and forth. You didn't move from one to the other. You do both. And I believe your agency, the agency that represents you, is kind of this new form agency that handles both self-publishing and traditionally, traditional publishing. And I'm very curious how they how that works how they handle sort of the ethics of that and and how you find straddling both both worlds okay so i'll give you a little background i started out as what i call a traditional publishing holdout so i just really wanted traditional publishing and um and i still love traditional still love traditional publishing and i think there's a lot of I think today everybody's talking about self-publishing and how wonderful it is and that nobody really understands the difference or what it takes to self-publish and all of that or what the benefits still are of traditional publishing. So that said, um, I had a literary agent tell me that uh, I needed to go out and speak. I had to, well, what it was was I had to build a platform. Mm -hmm. And they said speaking was really important. It was sort of in the earlier days of the internet. And so I thought that was the, the, you know, kind of the chicken before the egg because I wasn't an author yet. So how was I going to get anyone to want me to speak when I wasn't an expert and, you know, had no book? And so what I did was I produced a bunch of short versions of the books I wanted to write. So you can find, um, you can find one of those on Amazon called Navigating the Narrow Bridge. You can find a bunch of them on my website, ninamir.com. The ones that are on my website are still produced the same. Well, they, they originally were produced not as eBooks. They were produced just as um, a, a booklet, so saddle stitched, if you know mm, what I mean. Yeah. Right? And, and people will say, well, that's not a real book, but have you ever gotten uh, an envelope in the mail that says free book inside, and when you open it up, it's a tiny little book, right? It's just been stapled, right? So that's basically what I did, but mine were, were a little bit bigger, and they were a little heftier. Some of them were, were fairly long, but they were short versions of my book so that I could say I was an author and go out and speak, and then I later turned them into PDF-style eBooks when that was what everybody was doing, which they still do. Any of those free books you download are all PDFs, they're not Kindle. So um, then I went from that into actually traditional publishing. So I managed to sell a couple books, and uh, which were the first books that you sold? The spirituality ones? No, the spirituality ones that are all on my site. Those are all self-published. Okay. Um, 
the first book I sold was How to Blog a Book, but I was working on, my agent was actually already peddling for me the author training manual, but it wasn't called that at the time. Mm-hmm. And I took the concept of building a business plan for your book and applied it to blogging books because something happened also at the San Francisco Writers Conference that gave me that opportunity and, and the idea for that book. So that book happened first, then um, it came and you, out. And you sold it on proposal? Yes, I did. And then you blogged it? I had a literary agent who'd taken me on for something spiritual, but she had shifted me over and said, let's do something more business oriented. And so, yes, I, I sold it on proposal, but I had already blogged it. So it was already blogged. Okay. Oh, great. Okay. So I was the guinea pig for blogging a book, <laughs> basically. Anyway, I sold that. Then I sold the author training manual. Then I sold um, uh, creative visualization for writers. So then, uh, so in between all that, I still was self-publishing a little bit, but what I realized was I didn't. I didn't like self-publishing. I didn't like it not because I don't like self-publishing. I didn't like doing it. The work part. The work part. <laughs> and I wasn't promoting any of those books. I was too busy trying to get them written, getting, you know, having them edited and all that, you know, the covers and uploading. And I never, never knew whether I was doing it as well as I should. And, uh, and I knew a lot, but I just, it was just very time consuming. And so I decided I didn't really want to do that and by the time by the time I got my newest agent which that agency is Fuse Literary so I should give them a plug but when I moved over to Fuse Literary or when I started talking to them one of the enticing things to me was that they have assisted self-publishing and what that means is that they have their own imprint and your books go under that but I had an imprint and they allowed me to continue with my imprint but under their umbrella. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that I give them a percentage, but I, they do the editing, they get the cover. All I do is basically turn it in. But do they get, and do they get paid up front at all or do they only get a percentage? They get a percentage of sales. So they're doing a ton of work for me basically. And you know, on speculation, just like agents do, uh, but they do get a percentage of whatever I make on the book. But or, they have to accept the book then. Like not anybody can go there and say, here's a book I want to publish. Right. You have to be a client of theirs. So that's the thing with them is you have to be a client. And, but they could take you on just because they feel like you have promise, but you need to build platforms. So part of the strategy for me is between every self, traditionally published book, I want to or they want me to produce at least two self-published books that help promote the new book, but also that move me in the direction I want to go. So see, I'm trying to go from um, strictly writing and publishing books into more personal development and practical mm-hmm. spirituality, which is what I started out to write. Right. So I'm trying to get back there and bridge over, but we're building platform with books. Yeah. Do that. So there are other ways to, to do this. So basically what I'm called is a hybrid author because I'm traditionally publishing and self-publishing. But, but can I just, I don't want to, you know, worry the point too much, but I want to worry it a little bit more, which is so, because in a sense, it's slightly different from self-publishing because you do have someone kind of curating it on some level. I don't know. Like what happens if you throw them a book that they really don't think can be edited sufficiently. Like it was or, totally impractical spirituality. Or, <laughs> or they felt like, or they felt like it was somehow, you know, already just being done, you know, I, like I, like just, you know, like you're coming out with something that is sort of, I don't so You're trying to get it how it gets vetted. How, because does, it, how does it get vetted? Yes. Yeah. So it gets vetted by my literary agent. So for the most part, we come up with the ideas together. Or he'll say, do you have something on such and such? So, for instance, we were doing a proposal to a, a publishing company, and he said, I want to know what books you can do 
to support the, you know, what eBooks you can produce that will support this. And I give him the ideas and he says, okay, fine. Or no, I don't like that or whatever. So yes, he is betting it. I sent him an idea one time. I said, look what I have. He said, no, that's, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. So, so he, we, but the thing is when you get a literary agent, you have a business manager base. If they're a good one, you have somebody who's managing your career, which is what he's looking at for me. Yeah. Now there are, what I was going to say before was you can go with assisted self-publishing without it being with a literary agent. Today, there are people who can help you who are literary agents and those who aren't. And there are a few literary agents who are doing assisted self-publishing, um, but you don't have to be their, 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 they don't have to be your literary agent. You can just hire them to help you self-publish your book. And in some cases, they will help you vet out your book. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if it's a really good you know, service, they're going to tell you whether it's marketable or not because they're going to take a look at it before they help you produce it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that. well, I think, you know, Elizabeth, as, as you were pointing to yourself earlier, when you had mentioned that you were a staunch hold traditional out. publishing person, hold Elizabeth, out, no, hold out, hold out. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think, you know, we have conversations about this. I, being more like indie film, indie film world, like I just see so much happening in the in the the world in general and how people are reaching their audiences in new ways and and kind of like the audience to some extent will also vet it you know what i mean like who you know what does it mean and whatever and you have a very traditional model that's almost like the academy like here are the publishers and they shall tell you who is a you know and i will say that i mean i like the word holdout because i think it recognizes that we're in a huge transition and that you know it's not like it's not um, like we're going to go back to this good old days you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but but um, but I love the idea of curation of editing I mean it it reminds me you know in the way you're talking about your relationship with your with your agent of of kind of magazine writing I mean Mm -hmm. you you know more which you know more about than I do but and um and and I think there's incredible things happening with small presses right now. I mean, micro presses, you know. But there is that element of curation of like somebody else going, yes, I want to put time and energy into this too. Right, and that's you know that's what where the clout still comes from with traditional publishing is that somebody is betting it out and saying I will buy, back you financially. Yeah. But, but the whole process that I outlined, the author training process in the author training manual was created not just for those who want to build a book proposal and have a traditional publishing deal. It was, it was created for the self-publishers who need to learn how to vet their own work. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't have a literary agent or an acquisitions editor saying, this won't fly, it doesn't have a market, it's not unique and necessary in its category. They didn't have that. So they better... I was... I would curse. You can curse. It's a podcast. It's okay. We'll just put explicit on this one. In fact, we're not traditionally, uh, you know, distributed, right? Damn well, figure out how to vet out their own work and decide whether it's worth putting out there, whether it's worth their time and energy and money, and whether there's anyone who's going to read this book. Because it's really frustrating, I can tell you, to spend all that time and energy and potentially money on a book project that nobody reads. And the truth is, those issues come up with traditional publishing as well at every step. You know, mm-hmm. trying to get an agent, trying to get a publisher, you know, your agent's trying to get a publisher, your publisher trying to get readers, trying to get a second book, pu- you know, all of that. So how do you think Faulkner would have gone about building a platform for The Sound and the Fury? <laughs> uh, well, in his day, he didn't have the internet. So well, we, right, right. So that's a totally different story. But I guess what I'm saying is I think the other piece about the vetting is what constitutes, you know, and I think whenever we're looking at these sort of 
direct to consumer models um you know there's a question like the unique and necessary and what does that mean and where does art fall and that's that that's what my joke is about sort of where does art fall in this conversation and how does one really have sort of an authentic voice and business savvy so the whole process that I outline is a creative process so when we're talking about art it is not meant to deter from art what it's meant to do is to hone your art to make it make it more marketable which mm -hmm. artists tend to not want to think about marketability or money or any of those things right but most writers would like to know their book will sell so it's meant to be a creative process that allows you to look at all of this and then hone your idea so it's the best idea um, someone like Faulkner probably would have had to use medium or or blog parts of their book or do something like that so you know that they were getting it out and getting that feedback because I think that was something you were getting at is that a lot of times the public tells us whether it's good but if you don't have a public <laughs> if you yes. don't have a platform nobody's reading it and a lot of these people had the ability to publish parts of their book or short stories um, in newspapers that were very well read you know uh, so so I, per, as far as I'm concerned to, to really get down to what your question was is where does art fall into this I think art is at the at, at the crux of it we have our art we have our ideas we have our stories uh, we have our information and then it's all about how to get out into the world how do we uh, how do we make sure it gets read and for some people they just write their novel and or their screenplay and it's fabulous and it gets out to the public but those are you know one in a million and a lot of people write fabulous I mean I'm just seeing people who are incredible writers not getting published as well so um, I think you're totally right on and, and I will say because there's more things I want to ask you and we haven't gotten to everything I will just recommend to everybody that a lot of the practical I mean all a lot of the practical advice people can get from your books or from working with you directly, directly. so if they're if they feel like we haven't gotten enough juicy tips <laughs> um, that's a good place to go but maybe can you give us kind of your top advice to writers who are who are willing to embrace the need for platform for for audience um, but want to know what to do next Might be uh, call her. <laughs> what was that so it might be call you Yes, they can call me <laughs> and they can coach with me. Um, I think that uh, the advice I would give them is not to allow their distaste of the whole business side, which includes platform building and promotion, to dissuade them from doing it. And I'm going to tell a really brief story, and that is that I spent about eight years building author platforms. And that was after a literary agent called me and said, I love everything about your project, but you have no platform. And so for eight years, I worked on platform and I did okay. I didn't do great. And there was a certain point when I got really, really frustrated and I'd had literary agents who hadn't sold my work and I still didn't have a big enough platform for the New York publishers. And, you know, I was just like okay maybe I should just quit because this isn't going anywhere and not having the results I want and then you know I thought about why I wanted to do it and how I wanted to help people with my work and and I made the decision in that moment that I refused to fail and when I decided that I when I made that decision I refuse to fail I'm gonna make this work I've come too far you know and I'm just I have to keep going I embraced everything that 
we need to do as writers today, including building platform and promotion and writing book proposals and all of that. And four years later, I had a published book, traditionally published book. And I accomplished more in four years than I had in eight. But it was because of an attitude change, which is why I talk so much about attitude. A, a high performance coach, because I think that it's our attitude and our habits that make the difference. And so what I would tell them is embrace all of it because every little bit of it is getting you closer to where you want to go, which is to have your work read, right? That is the goal, to have it read. I, many people don't care about the money. They just want to know their stories or their books are getting read. Well, we're going to have to have you back on sometime because I really love the idea of your blog about your son and his being a dancer. And I, I hope that that's a book someday. Um, you know, I'm just I'm always excited about anything that that breaks people out of the kind of little boxes that we tend to put them in. Did you guys watch Billy Elliot together? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we went to see it and my son actually auditioned for it. The day oh. he auditioned for Billy Elliot, he got kicked off the soccer team. Oh but he God. made it here in, here in the San Francisco Bay Area. He, he made it, um, I think they called back a third time, or I can't remember now. I think it was three times. He was one of five called back, and they kept him for two hours instead of 30 minutes. Wow. We're pretty sure that they um, knocked him out of the running because he was too old. Mm. He later met one of the Billy Elliots, one of the first ones, and he was by far taller. His voice had changed, his, yeah, and they did a timeline on everyone. But so, yes, we watched Billy Elliot. And yes, that blog was started to build platforms. So there, see, I wanted to mentor boys and their parents who wanted to become professional dancers. And I said, I need a platform, and I created that blog. And that blog, I don't even write on very, I don't have time to write on it. And now that he's a professional, I can't write about him as much mm -hmm. or as freely. And so, you know, it's there, but it still has great traffic. So yes, I encourage people to do that kind of thing because Really, in this day and age, your blog is your best friend. It is, it is your best vehicle for getting the word out there about what you do. Well, that's great to hear. So it's now that time for T.S. Eliot's <laughs> Amateur Poets Borrow, Professional Poets Steal, or our segment that we call Steal This. Yes. Um, so do you want to model, Elizabeth? Oh, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I do, but... <laughs> um, Okay, so I, I forgot to prepare, huh? Um, but um, what I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about a book, and I'm not gonna mention it. But I'm I'm in the process of reviewing a book that is not out yet, and it's a memoir. And it one of the things I've been really playing, thinking a lot about, and I probably mentioned it on previous podcasts, is is story. Is that one of the things I took a nonfiction class and. You know, everyone went around and, and said, you know, here's my writing experience. And some people had published books and whatever. Um, but a couple people had incredible stories, like just blow you out of the water, blow you out of the water stories, right? Where you're just like, I want to hear this story. And others of us had similar stories to each other, like, you know, a wacky childhood or whatever. <laughs> and it was like, okay, maybe you can write really well, but your story's not really exciting. So anyway, so this memoir has this kind of like the jacket copy story is really exciting and um, I dove into it and, and the first chapter is like explosive too and then it kind of peters out and it doesn't really have a plot structure and it doesn't quite know how to do scene the way that I would like it to and so um, and so I guess it's just a reminder to me that that um, there's the kind of content of the story the wow factor and then there's like the the building of the story so that it keeps the reader excited and asking questions and being pulled through and so um, so I want to 
steal the wow factor, but but then bring the plot part in. So I don't know. It's a little bit of a cheat, but so in a nutshell, no, just kidding. <laughs> Angie, how about you? Um, well, I just really liked uh, so many things that you said today. So one, thank you for that. But also thinking about, I, I'm going to take on thinking about my film and the story in my film. You know, I, I'm always thinking about character arc. I'm always thinking about those things. But uh, the benefit to a viewer is what? And so having some time to sort of think about, like, well, it's nice to see that transformation, but what does that give somebody? And so I'm going to think a little bit more about that as I go into preparing for auditions and things like that. I, I do love that, too. I feel really excited about th th those ideas you gave us. Um, how about you, Nina? What would you like to steal and make your own? So I don't have one specific project, you know, book or something, but I would say I'd want to steal from some of the great storytellers or memoirists because, as I said, I have that novel, but I don't typically write fiction. So I, you know, even though I wrote lots of, um, uh, you know, did a lot of creative writing and fiction when I was younger, it's really not my area of expertise, but I'd like to steal that because, um, I want to lend that ability to write fiction to my nonfiction, mm -hmm. so I could work. I could work with you know people who write memoirs. I, normally, I don't work with memoirs because I feel like you know unless they're just trying to work on other areas of authorship, I, I won't work on their book per se right. because I feel like it has to read like a novel, and I don't know how to do that well enough. Um, but I could lend that ability to write fiction to my nonfiction, mm -hmm. and. Um, and have better storytelling skills in my work. And so I think that's what I would steal. Mm, great. And how can people find you and your books? They can find me at ninaamir.com. So it's N-I-N-A-A-M-I-R.com. And they can find my books at booksbyninaamir.com, which will take you to Amazon. So booksbyninaamir.com. Um, and the other books that we talked about, the little short ones, uh, those, if they're not on Amazon, then they're at ninamir.com under the personal growth area. Wonderful. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Yes, it was such you. a pleasure to talk with you. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I was honored. Thank you.